today we're beginning a new series called Broken. And the intent of this series is not to focus on the broken, although it is to identify the broken and what has been broken, what wasn't ever intended to be broken, but uh, may stand in varying states of disrepair. It's not to focus on that, it's to focus on the repair, it's to focus on the hope and the light and what God has for each and every one of us. You know, I believe the Lord gave me a, a, a picture, uh, an illustration, if you will, uh, years and years and years ago. I was in my late teens, I was at Bible college, I was uh, starting a, a journey toward being a pastor. And at the time, I was interning at a church with a, a youth group around me and was constantly bombarded with, not just in my own life, but in the lives of those young people around me, with the question, simply, what do you do with broken? What do you do with that? And searching for a, an illustration that could put some sense to it, I believe the Lord gave me a picture from my earlier childhood, and that was of me and a bunch of buddies in our neighborhood who would, uh, on Saturday mornings, go looking for something to do. And uh, oftentimes we'd find ourselves in, uh, in circumstances that weren't very good, but other times we found ourselves uh, doing some constructive things. And when it was on the constructive side of the scale, what we would do is we would uh, create go-karts. Uh, a, a friend of mine, uh, his dad worked at a lumber yard and we had all the free lumber that we wanted. We had all the nails and hammers and tools that we wanted and we, we managed to scrounge up some wheels from uh, old wagons and things that they had uh, out in the backyard and we would build these go-karts. Now they weren't powered. Uh, we relied on good old West Coast mountains for speed. In our backyard, we were our, our house, uh, the Embry house was kind of the top of the hill. My buddy uh, Dave, his house was kind of the bottom of the hill and all of our friends would gather. We'd build these go-karts at his house and we'd haul them up to my house and we had a street in the front and a lane in the back and the lane was perfect because there were very few cars to uh, get in the way of our fun. Well, we'd put these uh, go-karts together, and being any good, responsible young people, we, we felt like safety was of utmost importance, and so we would get football helmets and hockey helmets and, and all sorts of pads and, and uh, blankets and things and wrap ourselves up and put the, the driver in the cockpit, and about six of us would get behind and push, almost like Olympic bobsledding. And we'd get the, the person going about 900 miles an hour and off they would go down the lane of Elliott Street in Vancouver, Canada. Well, they would get going or I would get going or whoever was the pilot of the day would get going and inevitably the, the requirements of engineering far outweighed our abilities to engineer a safe and, and uh, uh, I guess, uh, a quality piece of equipment, and what would happen is at some point down that hill, some sort of major malfunction would happen. Uh, most evident and most catastrophic was a wheel would fall off, or in some cases, two or three or four wheels would fall off. And after the carnage, there was usually a whole lot of laughter and finger pointing of who didn't put the right nails or, or, or fixtures on these things. But, but in some ways, this is a metaphor for our lives. It's a picture of what happens. We, we assemble something that should be functional.
We assemble something that should be, in fact, fun and thrilling. And yet somewhere along this road, we end up on the side of it in a, in a pile, and it crashed in a heap. And the question we ask ourselves is, what do we do now? What do we do with broken What do we do with this life that is intended for good and for pleasing things? A a life that is intended for joy and, and contentment. I don't know if you've ever asked yourself that question. I sure have. Life is clipping along, seems to be going well, and then all of a sudden you're blindsided with hurt. Life is going along, you're clipping along just fine, and all of a sudden there's a doctor's diagnosis that isn't good for you. Your world is turned upside down. Something happens. It's like going 900 miles an hour and you hit a brick wall. And everything that's not tied down flies into the air. What do you do with broken? It's a question of the ages. And I believe that that's something that God wants us to look at and to address and see what he has to say as a solution over these next few weeks. A number of weeks ago, our, our creative team got together, and one of the members of the team suggested that we, we ask some of the artists in our church to create art pieces for this message series and ask them the question, how do you picture brokenness, and how do you picture God's work in the midst of brokenness? And two of those art pieces are up here on the platform today. We'll have another two next week. But I believe that these pieces speak to the brokenness in our lives, but they don't stop there. They speak to the hope and the hope of Jesus Christ in each of our lives as well. We want to not just focus and look at the broken pieces and the brokenness and those things that go flying off when we hit that brick wall, but we do want to look at God's plan for healing and wholeness and redemption and even joy in the midst and as we move through those. We've asked these artists to tell us a little bit about their piece and we have these videos for you. This one's done by my wife, Dana. This one's done by Susan Parks and we want you to watch these videos about these art pieces. When the pieces seem to I've done painting, I've done drawing, uh, architectural design, uh, a lot of things in 2D, but the last several years I've really worked on uh, 3D work, mostly sculpture. Uh, I can't not create. I just feel like that that's just what God made me to do. I enjoy uh, creating something uh, new out of nothing. Uh, even pieces with a subject matter that is intense or heavy, I like to um, incorporate and have them exude a sense of hope and of peace and calm. To me, brokenness is when we come to the end of ourselves. When we simply cannot, uh, we just can't do it. And um, 
brokenness without hope is, to me, is just defeat. The only way that uh, we can, I believe, get, get to the point of hope and of uh, freedom and restoration is if we take that brokenness and just surrender that to God. As long as we hold on to it, um, we're still, we still fight it. This piece, um, to me, when I visualize brokenness, I just think of in our humanness when we uh, have just a contrite uh, heart. And to give that uh, brokenness, to surrender that to Him. Um, and I've left the piece um, very open-ended. The uh, hands are empty because all of our brokenness is different. We may need to surrender a broken spirit or a broken dream or a broken body or a broken heart. And whatever brokenness we have, when we surrender that to Him, that's when He can begin to heal us and bring the restoration that that brokenness He's brought about. been creating since I was a little girl and for me art became a way of escape really it was kind of one of the things in my chaotic childhood that um, I could control I can control the outcome and um, so I drew and I did crafts and I, I painted and I sang I made up songs and it was just really healing for me it was a, a great way to get my feelings out and as I developed later in life, I kind of narrowed my scope. And in my late 20s, I focused strictly on watercolor paintings. So that's what I do. I do watercolor. And I absolutely love the unpredictability of it. As controlled as I want to be, watercolor can't be controlled. And I kind of love that. So for me, when I think about brokenness, I take it right back to the origin. And for me, that was when I was a little girl and I was really developing a lot of my understanding of who I was and who the world was around me. And out of those understandings, those things that I believed, I framed the rest of my life. So when things came my way, um, I would interpret them through my own pain. And so brokenness to me is how we choose to see this life. And many times that brokenness comes out of seeing life 
through a broken lens. So in working on this piece, I really took the perspective of a little child in dealing with brokenness. You know, we're all young ones, and in this case, it's actually me as a two-year-old little girl. And we all have that innocence until suddenly we start realizing that the world around us has a different message for us, and it's, it's dark, and we get hurt, and we get broken. And that's really what the darkness in this painting represents, is that coming in and, and swirling around in our mind, trying to take us off of the path of hope into the path of despair. But God is so precious, and that's really what I wanted to do here by bringing the light in. He comes with his message of hope and truth, and he constantly pours it over us. And if we allow it to wash over us, it heals our hearts. But ultimately, we get to choose. And that's what this is about. The battle, the challenge of choosing which voice we're going to listen to. pieces and that's good now thank you ladies this is uh, Dr. Carmen Dr. Calvin Carmen good friend of, of mine good friend of us here at Crossroads uh, he and his wife have been attending quite for, uh, for quite some time now and uh, he's a licensed professional counselor uh, family and marriage counselor he's had his own private practice for a number of years um, he's been a professor, a pastor, uh, you've been in the trenches <laughs> and, uh, I just, uh, I love getting out for breakfast, uh, with him from time to time. And we just, uh, we kind of play off each other a little bit, don't we? We, uh, we, uh, enjoy spending time with each other. Yeah. He hones me, I hone him, but like this, it's greatly, uh, you know, the way he hones me is like this and I just kind of chisel away at him a bit, but no. <laughs> <laughs> no, we uh, we have a great time together. Um, last time I had uh, Dr. Calvin up here, it was uh, end of our series uh, in February and March. Uh, we were talking about our hearts, and we were talking about a joyful heart. And it dawned on me that uh, you know everything around us is all about, uh, especially as Christ followers, it's all about having a happy heart and having a joyful heart. And yet what happens, I, I felt we needed to address that question of what happens when we don't feel that way. And uh, Calvin came up and uh, we had a conversation that Sunday and I realized that, and I, I mentioned to him as he was uh, walking off the platform that Sunday, that we needed to readdress uh, that and, and unpack it a little bit more. And that's really what this series is about. How do we navigate through life when it's not all exactly the way we had envisioned it to? And especially in a, in a, in a um, Christian kind of culture, we get feeling, okay, we come to Christ, this is the way life should play out, isn't it? And then when it doesn't, is it like God has, has decided to take off? Um, uh, but he hasn't. So we have, uh, Calvin and I were talking, uh, we talked about really the origin, and, and, and my hope today was to put this in perspective, and, and what is the context for hurt and pain and, and sin. God created the, the world and it, he said it was perfect. And then in Genesis 3, we have the wheels falling off. Sin enters the world and that perfection as God intended is gone. And that's really where 
we live today? Well, uh, you asking me? I'm just <laughs> talking. <laughs> I, I told Calvin first service that I, you know, there's a level of discomfort in just kind of going at a subject, but I really believe that the way that the Lord leads us through it is in each of the two services is something that people in each of the services yeah. need to hear. Yeah. And as the Lord speaks to us and through us and is, is just chewing some things in our lives, um, we can all benefit from. It's really a mystery, it seems to me, at least from my limited human perspective, when you think about the garden and the perfection there, the balance, the uh, no sin, uh, perfect homeostasis, that is just everything in perfect balance. No fears, no anxiety, just a perfect world. Uh, I don't know why they couldn't stay that way. There was a temptation, of course, that came um, to be like God, uh, to know right from wrong, to uh, uh, actually to be like, like the gods. And um, there's a perversity there, I guess, yeah. even in the garden, although there was a propensity toward righteousness and uh, goodness, <clears throat> there still was free will. Yeah. And uh, there was a, a choosing there to uh, partake of something that, uh, uh, well, it was disobedience yeah. and sin. And through disobedience and sin, uh, uh, the human heart was uh, darkened, the human heart was hardened, and human will no longer had a propensity toward righteousness, yeah. but towards sin. Yeah. And having been expelled from the garden, what an experience. It would be like almost as one describes insanity, it, nothing is ever the same again. I mean, yeah. what a perfect, wonderful world they lived in. And you wonder what pathology existed there, yeah. the possibility for a pathology existing there in the garden yeah. that they would want to throw all of this away. away. And the, the worst thing was to break relationship yeah. with God as they were expelled from the garden. There were consequences. Something took place, and as a result of sin, we're told a curse yes. came on the serpent. Curse came on Eve, woman. A curse was pronounced over Adam, over mankind. And a curse was pronounced over the ground, over the land. And, and deliberately... Uh, hard work and toiling, suffering, pain, adversity was the result of that exchange, that, that. You know what just came to my mind is the scripture, as an, as an Adam, all men die. That's right. So as in Christ, 
yeah. shall all be made alive. And with the image that came to me was of the potter's wheel. Hmm. You know, in the story, the potter is forming that clay, and there was an imperfection there. Mm -hmm. Now, the potter didn't just take that clay, clay and fling it away. Yeah. Using that same clay, he began to remold it and reshaping, uh, reshape it. Yeah. If we think of that brokenness, the, yeah. the marred image, so to speak, of, yeah. of Christ. We were yes. made in, in the uh, image of God, the image of Dio. That was marred, but now yeah. the potter didn't give up. Yeah. The maker didn't give up. He took that same clay. Um, I think it was so significant to see that God, when the, Adam and Eve saw their nakedness, the Lord himself sewed fig leaves together. The accommodation, God accommodating. Yeah. I think that's so beautiful. God accommodates. Yeah. And so it is. And the potter's wheel, he reshaped it yeah. to a vessel, from a vessel of dishonor yeah. to a vessel of honor. And perhaps without brokenness, Pastor, uh, there's no deepening. There's not that. It, it's a perfecting. It's not God yeah. damaging us and, and, and trying to hurt us. But, uh, uh, and we know, obviously, that some things are just circumstantial, just part of the yeah. man's inhumanity to man, which we heard about just a little while ago. Yeah. And, uh, but some things uh, are of our own making. Yeah. And we need to, I guess, acknowledge that. Yeah. You know, the beatitude. Uh, what beatitude am I thinking of? You got me. Uh, um, Sorry, I can't help you out. Uh, <laughs> Poor in spirit? Uh, no, the beatitude about uh, blessed are they who uh, suffer. Suffer. For righteousness sake righteousness sake mm -hmm. most of the suffering i do is because of my own stupidity <laughs> i don't know about you but uh, most of the suffering i've, I I've do never experienced that <laughs> <laughs> right. yeah. but but it's really true there's consequences Why? to our to, yeah. to, to, to our sin, and I'm going in a rabbit hole. No, that's all right. We got talking, and that leads into, first, so first service, we get talking about this, that oftentimes we hear the question, why do, why do bad things happen to good people? If, if God is a loving God, then why dot, dot, dot? You know, how many have never asked that question before? Exactly. <laughs> the show of hands, no one. Um, I, one pastor put it this way to me, that... Uh, oversimplifies it, but oftentimes when we think of bad things or persecution or suffering or, or brokenness happen to us, it, it happens for one of three reasons. The first, one, the first two are rather uh, easy to understand, even though it doesn't make them easy to, to um, live with, but the first one is our own sin. Yeah. The, the choices we make, the choices I make, um, cause me to experience pain, suffering, hurt, and that in my life. It's my own sin. Second one is someone else's sin, someone else's bad choices, someone else's selfishness, their sinfulness has an adverse effect on me. Um, 
if I do something, it affects you. If I do something, it affects you. If you do something, it affects me. And I am left with the consequences of that, whether it's abuse, whether it's neglect, um, whatever it might be. Uh, someone else's sin has an effect on me. And those two are relatively easy to compartmentalize. Those are easy, easy to go, okay, that's what this is. Someone else's sin or my own sin. The third one is much more difficult. And it's, it sounds like a cop-out, but it's not. And that is, is general chaos and brokenness in the world. We live in a fallen world that is under the curse. Um, things do not work as they should. You go out into a field and if you leave it um, unattended, weeds will grow up. Mm-hmm. If uh, we don't look after our bodies, they will degrade. Even if we do look, at our body, uh, look after our bodies, they degrade over years. And that's just an indication of the curse. Dana and I talk often, she goes, can you imagine what we would be like, what life would be like living, what our bodies would be like to not experience the curse? Oh my goodness, that's amazing. It's just uh, it's stunning. But that uh, helps us to put it in context. It doesn't help us to go, okay, well, what next? And we talked uh, earlier about a journey that we're on. It's so easy that when the wheels fall off, when the accident happens, when the crash and the carnage takes place, we think that that's the end. I think of C.S. Lewis um, it, uh, um, in Screwtape Letters. He's talking about the, the undulations of life. Mm-hmm. The ups and the downs and the ups and the downs and the ploy of the enemy is to get us convinced that the downs and the low points are permanent. (laughs) And once he has us there, victory is won. I think that's, that's the thing is oftentimes we feel like the brokenness is the period at the end of the sentence. Well, instead of something we work through and use that word first service a number of times, moving through it. Uh, let's move on to, um, and this I think uh, illustrates, uh, is the story of Solomon in Jeremiah 14. Samson. Oh, sorry, Samson. Samson. Did I say Solomon first service? Yeah. Oh, okay. we'll have to just edit that in the tape in the first service. Samson. Samson is an interesting character in the Old Testament. Um, we can't get into the whole story here now, but the, the poignant part for our purposes is the fact that he was on his way to Timnath, which means one's heart's desire to get a wife. And as he's moving down the road, happily, uh, I'm sure he would, this, this was great, great anticipation Great hope. And standing smack dab in the middle of that road, and I'm sure there's no way around, was this young, tawny lion. Not an old, toothless lion. What's that lion in the, the cartoons? I forget what his name was. Kind of toothless. Not that kind of lion. This lion was... Uh, Strong, had teeth, and was growling and roaring. And just as soon as we're, <laughs> we're on our way through life and moving along, as we, we say, sure enough, we're going to meet a lion. But Samson learned that how to make trouble a servant. <laughs> <laughs> 
He learned how to yeah, make that's good. I like that. A servant. How did he do that? <clears throat> the strength of the Lord came upon him, and we will never be tempted beyond which we are able to endure, but the Lord will make yeah. a way of escape. Mm -hmm. That's right. The strength of the Lord came upon him, and the scripture says he rent. He literally tore that lion apart. And our temptation is to grab the lion by the tail and drag him along and show him to everyone our, our token, <laughs> our prize. Hey, look what I did. And uh, that lion stinks after a while. Either that or there's this perversity to go back and poke him. Poke it. Yeah, make sure it's dead. Make sure he's dead. Uh, so. I've done that with an armadillo in my backyard. Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I just had to go there. Well, since you're trying to be funny, let me ask you a question. <laughs> Busted. <laughs> when God made Adam and Eve, the question I have, did they have belly buttons? No. Okay, just, just <laughs> I thought you might have I don't know, I just I assumed that. I, was, I wasn't there. Yeah, I <laughs> Belly button, you know. Yeah, yeah. Umbilical cord. Did? Yeah, they got it. They're smart. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so, well, now I know. So Samson goes on. Okay, sorry. <laughs> Samson moves on down the road toward his heart's desire. And... Uh, I don't know why he had that experience or why it was necessary, but I believe it was in his life. I don't know why I have had some of the pains and uh, uh, difficulties and suffering in my life. I can't explain it. And you have had pain, and I, I know that because you're a human being. I know the human condition. And I, I, I can't explain that. Yeah. But we have to believe that uh, other than that, as Job says, the rain falls on the just and unjust alike. Yeah, right. We all go through it. It hits the fan sometimes, and yeah. it's no one's fault. It's just the circumstances of life. Yeah. It does. Yeah. But at any rate, how to make it a servant? After his time in Timnath, and while he was away, mm -hmm. that old lion began to decay rot away, and in the midst of that hot meridian eastern sun, those bones began to bleach out. And guess what? In God's time, in God's way, he sent these little helpers along, little blessings, little gifts, yeah. bees, and they flew in amongst those bones and skeletons and began to build a beehive. doesn't happen necessarily when you face your situation and what you're going through. That's right. But in time, in time, in time, and I know you can do it right now. You can think back on some stuff that's happened, and you think, my God, I came through that. And you know in that coming through, that's being on the potter's wheel. He's forming and shaping you into the vessel he wants. Not yeah. the same, they're utilitarian in the sense right. that God will, uses them for different purposes, but Samson, on his way back, spotted those bleached bones 
and he remembered that was a place where I almost came to my end. But God turned that place of trial, suffering, and almost the end of him into a place of blessing where he was able to gather honey, and not only for himself, but also for others. And that's redemption, not only in the present, redemption for the future, but God's able to reach into our past, into the tribulation and trials and pains and suffering, and able to deepen our lives and build character and to make us the kinds of person that he wants us. That's the potter's wheel again. And uh, making trouble a servant, I think, is what it's all about. That's right. We often get thinking that um, these things that we go through, and even going back to the, the garden, that that was a surprise to God. And that any time we go through a circumstance or a setting like that, that God is shocked and surprised. Hmm. And he has to go searching and looking for some sort of a solution. You know, uh, uh, countless people I talk to, and, and they're just shocked that, that the fall wasn't a surprise to God. And if you put it in that context, you, you start to get a picture of the, the, the character of God and the heart of God, not that where some people would go is, oh, how could a loving God permit this to happen? But you get thinking about God's plan yes. for the solution, not just a Band-Aid, not just a, uh, some salve to rub on it, or like my dad would say, hey, just rub some dirt on it, you know? But... No, you know, God, knowing that humanity was going to turn and what the absolute solution to that problem was, it puts perspective on who God is. And part of that solution, uh, Pastor, uh, I think of God creating man mm-hmm. and woman and some angel coming down and saying, but God, what are you doing? Yeah. You're giving, You're giving them free this will, creation free will. Yeah. free will. Yeah. Don't you know they will mm-hmm. rebel against you? Yeah. And God says, but ah, yeah. I have created a hole in a soul yeah. that only I can find. Man, that's good. And that has to that's do with so the good. relationship. Relationship yeah. is everything. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's the perspective that we have on life, on hurt, on pain. We need to be able to answer that question, what do we do with broken? Mm -hmm. You know, here's here's this mess, here's this junk, here's this, and it it can't just be a a pithy saying. It can't just be a a, a patronizing type of remark, oh, God makes everything beautiful. Okay, that's not helping me right now, right in this situation, right in this setting. Just the the knowledge, but the experience of it is what bears testimony to that, right? God sending his son, Jesus, and providing a way. Part of it is our responsibility. I mean, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, Peter said that we are to exercise ourselves in godliness. That's mm-hmm. exercise. Gymnazo yeah. is the Greek term. And sometimes, I think I said this the last time, we have to put on our big boy pants <laughs> and big girl pants yeah. and 
stick with it. You know, if there's a wall in front of us and the Lord says, take that path to be able to trust God. I I can't understand this pain. I can't understand this, this, these things that are in my psyche, in my mind. I can't understand what's going on. But if we keep faithful and maybe we need to run through that wall and, you know, we either need to crash or burn or God's deliverance. I mean, to get that desperate, God will deliver you. You are going to go through. 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 In spite of the situation, it may look so impossible. But with God, all things are possible. He's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. He cares for you. Lo, I am with you always to the very end of the world. He is there. And you know, as we're going down with the plow of life, through, through the, the patch of life, he feels the sting of the briar yeah. on his feet as well as your feet. God. He's with you. In the meantime, the plowman sings. And we uh, can just trust him. I mean, what choice do you have? That's right. <laughs> At risk of putting you, I know we're kind of running up against the end of service here, but um, no, 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 it's good. Can we go like to like 2.30 or something? But at risk of putting you on the spot, I, I just, as we talked about, I feel that this is something the Lord's leading me to ask you. What is it that, and it's this self-pity that freezes us up. It's almost this, it, it sounds odd, but some people I've been there at times where yes. I almost, I dwell in my own junk and I hate to say, I almost enjoy it, but that's the wrong word. But it's this, um, I, I thrive on my my own pity and my own play. Does that make sense? Yes. Just how we, we get stuck there and woe is me, poor me, you know, and which runs completely contrary to what you just said, putting on our big boy pants and moving forward. What is it that, that, I think there's a fear, fear of failure, fear, fear that God's not going to come through. Yeah. Well, and it's who wants to be di- that disappointed by God not coming through? God, what yeah. else is there left? And we just linger there and stay in our pain yeah. and self-pity. And it, it, it's, it's a morbid kind of thing. Well, it's the man, uh, man at the pool, going. right? The man at the pool of Bethesda yes. is just, you know, Jesus is standing right in front of him. You, do you want to be made well and... Well, I've been here for 38 years. And nobody's <laughs> helped right. me. And, uh, you know, yeah. Right. And also, uh, it's a matter of uh, learned helplessness. We oh, wow. get to depend on others. I mean, why do for yourself what you can get others to do for wow. you? His brothers are there uh, working away, um, plowing the field, and he sits there, and at noontime, they... He, they bring the lunch to him, and they've got to carry him in a pallet. When Jesus says, stand, yeah. be made whole, then there's consequence to life. Wow. No excuses. There's consequences to our lives. But who wants to live a half a person? You know, they say that you can get a frog and put him in a box, and after three or four days, he'll start... And with the top on, he'll stop uh, leaping. And you can take the box off, the top off, and throw it away. 
because it's learned helplessness. Learned, wow. Doesn't, doesn't believe he can do it. And uh, God give you hope. God give you favor. God give you a new burst of uh, enthusiasm. Christmas is coming. It's time for anticipation and hope. And you need to do that not only for wow. the season, but for your own life and for yourself. Is God is there. God is there. Yes. Now you know why I like hanging out with him. <laughs> Trouble, darkness lasts for the night, but what comes in the morning? Joy comes in the morning. Joy comes Hallelujah. in the morning. Yeah. Joy comes does in it, the morning. Does it surprise you that that joy in Scripture? It says that joy will be our strength. Good song. Is it, does it surprise you that joy is the commodity of strength for the believer? That as we make our way away from despair and hopelessness and fear and worry, and we put on joy. And it's, it's a decision. Physiologically, it's, it's true also. Yeah. There's an alchemy that yeah. takes place in our joy and uh, the juices of life. It's despair and despondency that pulls yeah. us down. Yeah. We lose energy. We can't sleep. We can't think. We can't. Gosh. Terrible. You're reading my mail. <laughs> it's a matter of the choice and the decision we make uh, Jesus himself said in this world you'll have trouble um, adversity, pain, sorrow I love the fact that he didn't put a period and walk away Amen, Amen. In this world we're going to have trouble In this world we're going to have trouble But he says but take heart I have overcome the world All I your pain is temporary it. Yes All your pain Your pain your stress, your difficulty, your physical illness, whatever yeah. it is, broken relationships, uh, sometimes are never repaired. Let's face yeah. it. Yeah. But it's all temporary. That's right. We need to look Amen. above and look, look beyond all of this. Yeah. I want to awesome. see my granny again. I can't <laughs> wait to get... <laughs> I'm going to have to wait a little bit. Yeah, I'm going to invite the uh, worship team to come on and join me up here. And uh, <laughs> uh, Pastor, let's stand. Let's all stand together.